Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 69 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account using any one of the links or adverts on the oneouter.com website and that will automatically generate 27% rate back through your America's Cardroom account. There's no promo codes or anything. Just make sure you use one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M and join the Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search for the One Outer podcast. If you want to send questions in for Alex, the best way to do it is send questions at oneouter.com on email. So questions at oneouter.com. Email them in and we will read them out. Alex, episode 69, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm running. Tell the tell tell the tell the uh, tell the listeners what what's happening. Uh, so like we're in between uh, our podcasts, right? So we're doing one, and then uh, yeah, the water company shows up, and uh, they say we got to shut we got to shut down your water. And I, I I said what? I was like I pay my bills, right? And, like, this is my fault because I usually, like, on the 15th and the 1st of every month, I check everything because uh, I, I could never get automatic pay to work from my bank accounts here. Or, like, I had it one time on automatic pay and then it didn't pay something for three months, right? So, like, they came to, like, shut down my electricity. So I stopped doing that and I started doing it on the 15th and 1st of every month. And this this month I just didn't check anything the first two days because I paid – pretty much everything a few weeks ago and like you're you know they never shut anything down for being two weeks late right well i ended up finding out like i paid one bill for my water and then there was another one that for some reason was delinquent it's like eight dollars right and then uh there was one that was like eight dollars and like for some reason the system didn't tell me about it like when i went to pay the other one so it was delinquent and they came to collect and I was like, I just paid, right? Like I'll, I'll, I'll go and pay right now. Right. And I was like paying. They were like, yeah, well we got to leave it shut off till two because you didn't have it like paid for today. And I was just like, uh, is it, uh, of course, you know, my wife was in the middle of washing her hair and stuff like that. And it was like, wonderful, like wonderful. Right. And then the guy was cool. He was like, look, all I can do is like leave it on for like five minutes. Right. And, like, you guys can try to finish everything you're doing right now. And it was like, okay, this is wonderful, right? So now uh, my wife's going to have to go to her office to, like, finish everything. And then it was like, you know, she was – it was uh, – it, 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 this was pretty bad because my wife has a performance tonight. You know, you, you, wanna, you want the feeling of everything going well. And it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you have stuff like this. And now I have three dogs, like – uh, because I left the door open, now I have three dogs like rolling around right next to me. Can you can you, can you hear the poodle growling? I don't know. No, if no, not really. No, uh, he he's a really good father now. He's got he's got a, he's got a daughter, and they play all the time. And it's like you forget like dogs were like wild creatures, so they do like pretend like hunting. You know what I mean? They like bite at each other's neck, but like you know pretend biting or yeah. something like that. And it's like who can catch who? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it's really fascinating to watch because it's not like, you know, in our domesticated society, you see many like dogs with their young, you know what I mean? Especially male dogs with their reputation of walking out, you know? But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get into this. Let's, let's go. Okay, let's, let's go. And um, what I was going to do is last time we spoke about the uh, shootings and we had a little bit of a ramble and stuff like that. It was quite heavy. 
this time I forgot. We usually talk about like some movies and stuff, so I'm just going to give everybody a heads up. Right. Um, there, there's a <laughs> film on on Netflix. It's called The Keep, the Keep. and it's like 1980s. Ian McKellen's in it. Um, and I was looking at it, and it sounded like World War Two Nazi sort of based uh, supernatural thing. And I was like, oh, this movie sounds like you know whatever. It is the worst ever. <laughs> like it was, it was Mike, Michael Mann directed it as well. Really, it must have been like one of his first films. And apparently, he disowned the film. Really, uh, since then, yeah. And uh, I watched it, and it was just, it was completely like you couldn't follow it. I didn't know what was going on, what was <laughs> happening. And then when it's that bad, you're half watching it anyway. You know. Yeah. And it was just, oh, it was brutal. They, this was some weird, weird, weird stuff. And I was thinking it was going to be like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, type <laughs> stuff. And it was just, it, do not, do, it's not even worth watching. You know, it's not that bad, it's good. It's just that bad, it's bad. Um, <laughs> like, do not watch. Like, I saw it, I was like, oh, Michael Mander X, Ian McKellen's in it. I was like, oh, you know, that might be good. <laughs> and G- Gab- Gabriel Byrne as well, I think. You know who I like. Um, and I was like, oh, it was terrible. So do not watch The Keep on Netflix. It was absolutely horrendous. On the flip side, I watched Birdman, and I thought that was excellent. Oh, so overrated. My God. I hated that movie, man. So I liked it. I, it I didn't fine. have any expectations. Yeah, yeah, you anything. didn't have expectations. That's why it was good. I, I, it was good. I liked Edward Norton in it. I thought it was good. And I also loved Boyhood. I watched that last night. I saw that. I saw that. That movie's only 12 hours long, man. I thought they could have... Yeah, oh, that. I know. It was a, yeah, that was a good movie. It was just interesting how it was directed. Like the, They did it over 10 years or whatever. The scenes with the alcoholic father were just too much for me, man. Like that was yeah. hit a little too close. Like I was... That's exactly. I was wondering, like, did this guy actually get lit for this yeah. scene? Like, because it was like that's exactly what bad drunks are like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I was just like, oh my god! Like, they're just the way they're terrorizing the kids and stuff like that. It was like, like, yeah, it, oh, that was that was a good movie. By the way, if you you enjoyed that movie, like, I don't know if my my wife watched that movie with me and she was like, I don't get it. She was like, I, I just don't get it. I was like, oh, this movie's amazing if you grew up in the States because they had, like, the music from every time period and kind of, yeah, like, yeah. the attitudes and stuff like that. So I was really wondering if that would translate to... Uh, I was really wondering if that would translate to other... Yeah, well, it translated here, anyway. For me, I got it all, yeah. Yeah, and they were like... Uh, it, it was just interesting. They were playing, like, Chumbawamba in, like, the 90s yeah. or whatever. Actually, I don't even think it went that far. Or maybe it did. I, I don't... Remember? Yeah, it went to the 90s, like the little boy's playing with like a Game Boy Advance, and then uh, in another scene he's playing an Xbox, you know, as, it, as yeah. it progresses on and stuff like that. And his look as well, he goes through the whole, you know, like skater type, and then he's emo, whatever was popular at the no, time. No, it was good, it was good, I enjoyed it. And like you say, some of those scenes, I mean, they, they, for me as well, I, I've, you know, lived through some shit like that as well, with some of like you know, home stuff, and you're like, oh, God, you know. Yeah, yeah, this this is a little too close, yeah. The Iraq War veteran in that movie, too, was like... Yeah. I mean, a lot of my friends, like... I mean, that's never really something that was talked about. It was pretty messed up when I was a kid. It was like, we were told in school, you were a loser if you did not go to university. Like, I'm not... People think I'm exaggerating, but I was like, there was literally no discussion of anything else, like... Go to become an electrician, go to community college and transfer. No, yeah. if you're not, uh, or like, you know, go and be an apprentice, uh, at, you know, not, not for Donald Trump, but like, you know, or like <laughs> be a journeyman carpenter or something. By the way, all my friends who did do that stuff now make way more money. I have a friend who's an electrician. He makes more money than I do. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, he's like, he does a specialty kind that took him like eight years to figure out. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, he you know, and he does it for like Microsoft and stuff like that. Like, so, but like, yeah, you know, like those guys make more money than pretty much any of my friends who went to university. But yeah, anyway, uh, it was like, if you don't go to university, you're a loser. And it's like, here's your two options for going to university. Uh, your parents either have the money, you are, 
you get student loans and you'll be in debt till the day you die, or you can go to war. Which one would you like to do? And a lot of a lot of the young kids, most of them black, uh, who couldn't, you know, get you know the credit history to like get a co- because a lot of those loans you needed a cosigner, right? And uh, ju- just so happened a certain type of people like the cosigner would get rejected. And it was like, all right, so I guess your option is to go to war. And I always thought that was really messed up, you know what I mean? And I remember, like, they lied to you so much back then. It was like, I, like, I went into, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I had a lot of people in the military, like, talk to me, like, recruiting me. It was like, oh, 18-year-old kid, aimless, living out of a garage, you know. And maybe they were trying to do me a service, right? And then I was living, uh, I was, uh, the person who rented me out the garage was a Filipino man who got his citizenship by lying about his age to join the armed forces uh, from the Philippines. And of course, just diehard patriot, right? And he was like, you, you know, you join the service, you will always have brothers and you always have meals and stuff like that. And then, you know, and they gave me this great pitch. And then all my buddies that came from home from Iraq, they were like, dude, they abandoned us. Like, if we would just we'd just be out there and it was just like, that's it, you know, like, you know, and then it was like, uh, we need help. Like, yeah, yeah, good luck, you know, figure it out. And then they came home and they were just like that. They were really good guys. They They were really good guys. They were really together and something happened like five years in, you know what I mean? They were just, they started looking around and it was just like, I, I just can't adjust. You know what I mean? Everybody here is on their cell phones and playing around. They don't understand like there's parts of the world that are at war and have been at war for a long time, you know? And it was just, yeah. Watching that guy unravel was like, Oh, like, but you know, like to my wife, she's like, I don't get it. She was mm. oh boy. She gave, she did not look happy with me when she left here. Whew, she just left. <laughs> she was, you should have paid that bill. And it was like, yeah. I didn't, this happens like twice a year though. Like America, uh, America's Costa Rica's like payment system is so messed up with a lot of these things, right? And it's like, if you're one day late, they're like, oh, okay, time to shut it off, right? And then they'll come by five hours later to sh- turn it back on. I was like, all the money you guys spend on this, you know what I mean? Don't you think that could go to, like, fixing the roads or something like that? But, like, it, you know, or you, you could, God forbid, just call me and say, hey, uh, this one didn't go through or whatever, because half the time it just doesn't go through, because their system is ancient, right? And then, yeah, instead of just calling and go, hey, did, this one didn't go through. Could you go ahead and send that? Yeah, okay, 20 seconds later, done. Okay, yeah, you have a nice day. No, no, no. We're going to pay a guy. He's going to, you know, because the roads here are clogged, it takes two hours to get anywhere. He's going to spend $10 in gas. You're going to have to pay him 5 bucks an hour to go anywhere. It's going to cost you $25 to recover the $8 water bill. And then you're going to have to send somebody out five hours later to fix it again when he pays it. So now you spent $50 to recover aid, and you wonder why this economy is not working right now. So uh, anyway, yeah, they're just uh, – I'm paying Costa Rican taxes now, so I can complain about this as well. But yeah, uh, good, bad movies. Watch Jackie Chan movies. Has anyone ever understood the plot of an old Jackie Chan movie? Has anyone you reminded? Yeah, me. R- R- Rumble in the Bronx. Okay, that one makes sense. Yeah, that one, I love that movie was shot in Vancouver. So like, if you pay attention, there's like mountains behind the buildings in like half the scenes, and it was like he break he broke his leg at the beginning of that movie. So if you pay attention, he never kicks with like his right leg throughout the entire movie. And it's weird because if nobody points it out to you, you never notice, right? Yeah, and then. The same thing happened to Keanu Reeves. Like, Keanu Reeves, like, injured one of the, I, I think it was his left leg in the first Matrix movie. And if you watch all the Matrix movies, he never does anything with his left leg, like, ever, in any of the Kung Fu scenes. And it was, I think it was his left leg, right? But, uh, and, and anyway, it was, a, yeah, no, watch, like, the old, like, Jackie Chan movies, like, Young Master and stuff like that. It is, like, Barry, you were talking about plots that make no sense. Like, yeah. so bad, it's bad. Like, uh-huh. you watch some old Jackie Chan movies. There's literally, like, two hours of plot between the 40 minutes of, like, gorgeous fight scenes. And, like, I'll show it to my friends. I'll be like, you tell me what this movie is about at the end. And they'll be like, I, you know, 
I, I, dude, yeah. I have no idea. Like, I have, I, yes. I don't know. <laughs> like, it was like, is it a translation problem? I'm like, I don't know. I, I think they just write crap when they show up there that day, and they forget what they wrote the day before. And well, it's, it's like this Ninja Terminator. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's like an, <laughs> an 80s, it's like an 80s martial arts film. It's like when these studio houses, like Canon Films and stuff, were all just like I said. They were churning out like 250 films a year, you know, like straight to video and etc. There's one called Ninja Terminator. It's literally made up of like clips from previous films all pasted <laughs> together. And the sequel's like 40 minutes of the first film and stuff. It's just insane. You know, you're watching it. But it's just, it's just like watching people. It's just like basically a lot of fight scenes podged together. Yeah, and that's it. You know? Well, like I remember... Like, when I was a kid, like, all, all, I, all me and my friends used to do, cut class, get lit, watch crappy movies, right? And, like, you know, eventually we were supposedly a band, but, like, our demos never went anywhere or whatever, right? And it was like, I, I was, okay, yesterday my wife was on a, she was on a music show they have here. They have, like, a music show where they debut, like, uh, Central American and South American artists, Right. And they play a music video and they have a band come in and they talk about it. And my, my wife was on that show, right? Well, they told me she was going on at 5 in typical Costa Rican fashion. They didn't get on till like 6.05. So I was just sitting there watching TV for an hour. And, you know, I'm watching like the rappers from like uh, Panama and I'm watching like, you know, folk bands from Argentina. And I was like, this is kind of cool. And I was thinking, I cannot remember the last time I watched random TV, you know what I mean? Mm. Just sat around and watched random TV, random bad movies. And there is something about that. I was thinking, I kind of miss those days when we used to sit around and, you know, just get, you know, or even if we weren't drunk, we would just, like, we, we would be up for four days at a time, like, just raising hell, you know? Yeah. And it was just, uh, it, it, it was, it, it, you know, obviously I'd never go back to those times. But it's like, there is something to watching nonsensical movies and, like, being with your buddies and, like, you know, laughing about it. And like those movies you're talking about, it's like, this is 40 minutes of the first movie. Oh my God. Like that was fun. You know what I mean? It's like playing crappy video games and stuff like that. You know, now, now it's like, man, it's a business now, man. It's like, it was like 10 years ago. I was doing all that stuff. You know what I mean? That's not that long ago. And it's like, Oh yeah. Now I'm, uh, you know, I'm paying taxes in Costa Rica. I'm paying, t uh, taxes in the United States. We had to, you know, it's just like licenses and payroll and, you know, just stuff like that. And it's like, you know. I force myself still to watch, like, crap. <laughs> Not just crap, but, like, I do. I watch a lot of old, odd horror films that, like, even back in the day, I probably would have went, that looks shit, I'm not watching that. Now I force myself to go, right, I'm putting this on because it, it's, again, it's finding, like, this might sound like a copy or whatever, but. And people just say, oh, you're just being a lazy bastard lying around watching films all day. But what I see is, like we spoke about in the last podcast, um, meditation being a different thing. Like People think meditation is sitting, you know, um, yeah. closing their, you know, like sitting legs crossed with their fingers pinched going, um, like for three hours or whatever. But like you can find meditation. I would argue that you could even find meditation playing poker. Yeah, when you're yeah, in the yeah. zone, well, like especially, I call it a meditation. Especially yeah. online, um, where you, it's just you and the screen, and there's no other distractions, as you say, you know. And uh, once you get into the flow in the zone, and like people working on an assembly line doing the same task, oh, yeah. their their part is just screwing on the top and sealing the bag. They do that a thousand, three thousand times a day. That's meditative, you know. That yeah. becomes meditation. So, like for me, I go, I, how do I really switch out, like? okay, if I put on something really like, you know, like downfall, like three hour long about Hitler's last days in his bunker with German and its English subtitles, that takes me attention in reading the subtitles. If I put on Ninja Terminator, like, what the <laughs> fuck, you know? I, I, I watched American Ninja the other uh, week with uh, Mike, that Michael Durek. No, no, Durikoff, Michael Durikoff, I think his name was. Like I said, I can't remember if I mentioned it on this podcast. There's a film called Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, and yeah, it, you've done. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's all about uh, go. Uh, is it Galan and Globus? I think they are. These two like Israeli guys. They owned Canon Studios in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to watch that documentary <laughs> because it's like they they did like the Masters of the Universe film, and literally you're going on about your water getting closed out. They literally turned up and went productions closed, and they're like, we don't have an ending. It's like. Right, you got five minutes to film the ending. And they're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, finish finish what you're doing. And literally, one of the uh, end fight sword scenes between, like, He-Man and Skeletor, like Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella, it is actually, like, badly lit and everything. And they filmed it, like, so it's meant to be, like, this dark, you know, but... But it was because literally the lights and shit had been switched off and <laughs> and, like, the, the film your ending. And then eventually you got more money and tried to go in and do it. But, like, they were doing, you know, like, all these things. And it was just entertainment. Films were, like, popcorn entertainment. It wasn't yeah. this make a statement and, all right, Boyhood's got merits. It, it was special. It filmed the, the young guy, like, over 10 or 12 years or whatever, right through. So he's played the whole at different ages. That was special. You know, that was cool. But you've got, like, when it comes to it, um, I watched They Live the other night, uh, John Carpenter and Roddy Piper's the main character. Have you seen that? No, no, I haven't. Well, I love John Carpenter I films. Do too. And, uh, I I've never seen this. It was like 1988. Uh, the wrestler, Rowdy Roddy Piper, is the main character in it. I mean, that's all you, that's all you need to know. I don't want to spoil it, but you need to watch this film. It is entertainment. It's just like, if you can set yourself aside and everything doesn't need to be a fucking art house flick, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, just enjoy, like, trash something because there's there's still merit in it and there's still creative merit in it. It's like, right. like big, big Trouble in Little China is arguably trash, but I think it's one of, the, it's one of my favourite films. I think it's just yeah, that period, really. the 80s entertainment. You know, it's just, it's excellent, you know? No, there's like, uh, I saw him... <laughs> Can you guys hear that power saw? Tell me you can't. Yeah, I can hear. I can hear. <laughs> the doing, power I, saw, I yeah. didn't realize this when I moved into a. I moved into like a new residential, and I got a great deal on my property. And then I didn't realize, oh yeah, everybody else is gonna get a great deal and be building their house around my house, you know. But like, uh, no, I totally feel what you're talking about. I saw this movie. What was it? I, it was Keanu Reeves and uh, it, some. Uh, what was it? Anna de Armas. It was what was that movie called? Crap, I can't remember. It's this recent horror movie, and it was like uh, Keanu Reeves. It was uh, oh my god, I'm gonna Google this. Hold on a second. Uh, Reeves, what was that movie called? Uh, come on. It, was it the one money? Knock, like knock, knock, yeah. knock. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, exactly. Like. It is like the worst movie you've ever seen, right? It is just bad, right? And it's like, it, it, it's not, but it was like bad in an artistic way, right? It was like, you could tell the guy who made it, like, hates a lot of these types of people, you know what I mean? And he hates the pretension of a lot of these people. And he, he makes a very horrifying movie, and what I thought was very skillful about the movie is not really anything traditionally in the horror context happens, right? And it's a really poorly done movie. The, one of the chicks, uh, Anna de Armas, uh, she was like in a Spanish sitcom before. She cannot act. Like, and the other chick is like, I think his wife or something, right? And like, they cannot act, like, period. And like, it's like they're telling Keanu Reeves to be bad, right? Like, Keanu Reeves has some of the worst delivered lines I've ever seen in this movie, right? And like, it was, a, I had a blast seeing this movie because it was so funny, right? Like, I was the only guy laughing in the theater, everybody else, because it has some genuinely disgustingly vile scenes, right? Mm-hmm. I was the only one dying in this movie, right? And, like, it was just, like, it, it was, like, what, Keanu Reeves goes into this, like, he goes into this monologue, like, late in the movie, and it's, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, right? And it was actually made in all seriousness, right? And I was, like, there is something about bad cinema. And, of course, we walked out of that movie, and everybody was, like, that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I was, like, I had a blast, dude. <laughs> like, I loved that movie. That was a great movie, you know what I mean? It was, like... Because, like, it was 
something I'd never seen before. And it was like meant to like toy with your sensibilities. And one way to toy and like toy with your sensibilities means you play with the line. You know what I mean? And they crossed the line one time in that movie and I think it ruins it. You know what I mean? I think if they left that out, it would have actually been like a pretty like funny horror movie. Right. But like, uh, I'll watch it. I'll yeah, yeah, watch it's, it next it, dude, yeah. it's awful. Like, it is, it, it's like, Keanu Reeves is on his cheesiest game you've ever seen. Like, it is so, as long as you go into the movie expecting it not to be good, it's amazing. If you go in expecting, but like, this is the same director, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, like, he made a, he made a movie about, uh, he, what he calls slacktivists, right? Like activists who always talk a good game but don't do anything. And they go yeah. to save a Brazilian tribe, and the Brazilian tribe ends up, like, eating them and stuff. <laughs> and it was just awesome, right? I was just, yeah. But there is something for, like, me, it, it is kind of meditative to watch some trash once in a while. I, I love watching, like, old or even like when I watch like American football, like it's, it's not like it's an art house picture. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I watch the arena football league, arena football league. If you guys haven't seen it, this is the dumbest form of football we have in the United States. It's a 50 yard field. Uh, it's, you're not allowed to punt and it, there's no like out offsides. There's just walls, right? So a lot of times, like guys get into collisions and they like there's nowhere for the quarterback to run. The quarterback has to fall down or he gets rammed into a wall, right? And of course, there's like catches where they're jumping over the wall into the crowd. It's the dumbest crap ever, right? And it's the most like white trash thing you could be watching. Like if you watch this, right? Like. It, it, there's like a stream on film on, right? You can find it on first row sports and it's like, uh, like it, it, it's just dumb. Like you'll see everybody in the crowd, like drinking Budweiser with their cutoff jeans, right. And a big American flag on. And it, you know, when I was a kid in Seattle, I used to like, ugh, you are so, you know, while well, you heathens are busy with your bread and circus, there are children dying in the world, right? Now it's like, man, I need this crap once in a while, man. Like, I like having that on in my house. I like that. And, yeah, like a real meditative thing to be, like, walking through a city. Have you ever just, like, walked through a city, like, all day? Have you ever done that? Yeah, loads of things. Yeah, it's yeah. fun, right? Like, I, I walk through – everybody hates Macau, right? No, honestly, I hated Macau, too. But, like, one day I just, like, walked through – like, I, I walked as much of that place as I could, and I, like, dude, I found, like, Portuguese churches that were 300 years old and stuff like that, and, like, I found a harbor that, like, I don't think had been used in a very long time, right? So, like, there was a storehouse that was, like, 600 years old and stuff like that, and it just kind of looks like a, you know, like a really crappy warehouse on the side of the road. And if I hadn't like grown up in harbors, I probably couldn't have identified it. But like, that was real like meditative to me. Yeah. It's like, I totally feel what you're saying, man. I feel, my problem is when I'm at home, my thing is I want my coffee to this day. I still reach for my cigarettes. They're not there. They haven't been there for five years because my, <laughs> my wife hates them. Right. And like, I need to be reading a book. I need to be like, I need to be hyped up and like reading a book like all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I've got a lot of quotables and I've got a lot of like anecdotes and I, you know, it, it sounds like I'm a studied person, but at sometimes that's really bad for you. You know what I mean? You do have to like sit around and watch crappy movies at some point. I agree, man. That was a great, yeah, man, you made a great point, Barry. I'm proud of you. You're holding up your end of the bargain on this show. Good, yeah. good job, man. Okay, well, my next role is to turn it to questions. Yeah, now, let's do got, it. Let's do it. We're 29 minutes I in, don't so, care. I do not care. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. Uh, the first one is from Mike. And this is good because we did discuss this in a previous episode, uh, just the one before this, but we said we'd leave it to this one. So we'll start with this question. It is from Mike. Alex mentioned in a previous episode that he might miss PCA this year. I think you did say that uh, a while back, maybe a yeah, month or two back. Uh, why is that? Do you just prefer online totally now? I would love to play PCA and never have. What are your tips for winning a package? 
I love, I, you know, man, I love being at home. I love reading. I love playing poker. I love playing poker. I love playing online poker. You know what I mean? That's what I love to do. Like a lot, I, I just realized this recently, Barry. Like I was thinking, bro, like I, I love what I do for a living. Like I, I just, it sounds really cheesy, but I was like, I was listening to like a podcast the other day while I was playing. I, I, I can, I, I don't know if I recommend that for everyone, but like literally I've studied there is probably nobody who's watched as many tournament hand histories as mine. And I know my stats. I can see like what my earnings are in each position and they are very good. Right. But I think when you're learning, you probably should just be focusing on the game, but I'm at a stage I can like listen to radio shows and I have my like little Evernote and I write down ideas and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a real cerebral high. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, I mean, now I've, I'm, you know, I and I have arena football in the background, <laughs> like appease my baser, uh, my baser instincts, right? And it was like, I just love like online poker, man. Like I really love it, and I love like getting deep and like doing the live streams and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't really like getting away from that because like when you go to PCA, it's like PCA is an exception because I like the Bahamas. Uh, I have friends in the Bahamas, like I. I you know, my wife met, you know, she, she, she's just a real fan of live music. She really is a, she's a great musician herself and she really studies other singers. And there was a, uh, there, there was a, there was a woman from the island performing and, uh, my, my wife was just watching, you know, like on a break. And then she went up and talked to her and said, like, I really love your performance and everything. And the woman, like, had her come on the stage and sing with her. Like, I'd never heard her sing before, but she was like, oh, whatever. Let's figure it out, right? And they had, like, this great performance. And then they, she was like, I'm going to take you into the island. You know what I mean? And we're, I'm going to show you the real Bahamas. And it's like, yeah, we got to meet a bunch of people and do that, right? And, like, party at the real clubs and stuff like that. And it was, like, it was real fun. So, like, you know, when we go back, we see those people. And it's like, all my friends from the tour make that stop, right? And it's like, it's cool to see them like once a year, twice a year, like with uh, the World Series. And that's really the reason I go. Uh, I, I, I mean, PokerStars, quite frankly, like uh, overcharges you on the room, right? Like there's, I try to win a PCA package so I can win a second PCA package, right? Because at the end, the ICM mistakes I see of like these multi-table sats are insane, right? And it's like, okay, it's like, I pretty much accept I'm being robbed. You know what I mean? When I win the first PCA package, I'm going to go play a 5.3 K plus four K when I show up there. But on the side, I'm going to get two weeks in the Bahamas. So cool. You know what I mean? And that is worth something. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Of course, of course. And it's like, and you know, it's like, okay. Uh, no, I mean, I love live. Po- I, 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 excuse me. I don't love live. poker. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I can't, uh, I, I don't like a lot of the current poker players. I don't like the poker media. Uh, I, I, I think the poker media is really, uh, it's run by people that wanted to be poker players that couldn't be a lot of them. And uh, they have their little grudges and they have the little people they don't like. And uh, you know, uh, I, I know a few of them and they said some things to me and I said some things back. And now there's a certain type of coverage I get every time I'm there. And I I don't really care for that. And there's a certain way. There's a lot of people that are not doing that well at poker right now because, well, maybe they've never studied. I I don't know how you expect to become like, like imagine a golfer that didn't study the game. Imagine like, uh, imagine like Mike, Mike Tyson, even like Mike Tyson, people always say like Mike Tyson was a street kid, right? He just got in there and he was an animal and he could take a, that is BS. Mike Tyson watched all the greats, all of yeah. them. He went back to like, he would watch people in like 1908, like the first films they had, and he would pick up moves from that. Even like a guy like Mike Tyson, you know, everybody just says like a street bred kid. He understood the art and the discipline, you know what I mean? And it's like these people think they're going to play p- professional poker and make money at it and never study a thing, right? And then they're not doing bad and they decide, you know, whose fault it is. It's these training sites and who more specifically coaches the most. It's, it's assassin. So I get every, like, they'll never say anything directly to me, but every time I open my mouth at a table, there's some, it, 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 I, I'm sorry. I don't try to use 
language, but this one, it's really needs to be said. There's some asshole who has some comment for me. And like, if I take it further, I'm an asshole to everybody else. Right. But if, if they can just take pot shots at me all the time, nobody cares. Right. You know what I mean? I, I was at the Venetian. There was a guy cussing me out for six hours. I'm not making this up, Barry. There was a guy every single time I play against him. Every single hand. He called me a mother effer. He said, F you. He said all this stuff. Not one person called the tournament director. Not one person said, hey, calm it down. Nothing. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts if I said something to that guy, they would have called the t- tournament director. Just because it's cool. It's all right. And this is an American thing, too. It's cool to swing up. It's not cool to swing down. You know what I mean? That's, that's the big thing. And it's like, I'm sure this goes, I, I'm, I bring this on myself because I'm a loud mouth and I say things I probably should just keep to myself. And, but like, it, it's it, it, like live poker is just, I mean, count the number of hands you play in live poker. There's a lot of times in 12 hours, you'll play 200 hands, right? If you have a fast table, like you will watch the WSOP coverage and they'll be like, all right, they finished this level. And I'm like, Nine hands in, they finished a level? Are you serious? Like, and I'm not joking. That's nine hands. You want to talk about a hyper turbo, you probably get 12 or 15 hands in online. You know what I mean? Then you go home online, and it's just like, you know what I mean? All my students are the nicest people on earth. Because chances are you do not pay $210 an hour to, you know, go call me an asshole. You know what I mean? You probably... So it's like, I mean, it's just these different worlds, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. And then the worst thing, the worst thing of these live tournaments is like the really nice people. And there's a lot of people, most poker players are just there for the fun. Like 90% of poker players I have no problem with now. Uh, they're just like, they're, they're just there to have fun and that's cool. You know what I mean? And maybe they'll complain about a bad beat or whatever, but I, I'm kind of used to that. Like financial, financial, I, I, I'm starting to realize as I get older, like financial swings hurt everybody and people just react weirdly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like 9% of people are like, they know people in poker. And like, honestly, if you don't really know poker, you're probably not going to know me. Right. Because let's be honest, I haven't done anything in a long time, but like, you know, those people are the nicest people. Right. And like, they don't want to come bug me. You know what I mean? They're really respectful. They're like, Oh, he's talking to his wife. I don't want to bug him. And it's like, they don't understand. I'd be, just fine talking to them. You know what I mean? It's the guys that are that respectful that you want to talk to. They don't understand. It's like, you know, they're like, I don't want to take up your time. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I would not be here with my wife in the Bahamas for two weeks every year. If it wasn't for you guys, you know what I mean? Buying the videos and showing up for the Twitch streams and buying the private lessons. If you would like to, you know, if we, if you want to talk about a hand for a couple minutes, that's okay. You know what I mean? I, I'm cool with that, right? That, that's fine. But then there's like the 1% of guys that blame everybody on earth for their problems, and I'm just one of the targets. It's not just me. It would be pretty narcissistic to think it was me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just whoever. I, I, honestly, I bet a lot of these guys do the same thing to like Phil Galfond. You know what I mean? Just because that jackass opened run at once. You know what I mean? They probably did it to Taylor KB back in the day because he opened card runners. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, you could stay anonymous and it'd be fine. But like, yeah, I mean, there's just also like, I, I, I don't know. Like if you watch like poker on television now, you just see so many of the snide comments and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just like, I respect like in battle rap. I mean, I had, okay, I had Canon. By the way, I know everybody's really waiting on that release. It's probably out by the time you guys hear this, but I just want to apologize. Cannon, the guy I battled, works like 20 hours a day. Like, he works a lot. And he's needed to review his subtitles just to make sure he didn't say something wrong, right? And it's been taking a while just because the guy works so much. So sorry for the delay on that. But yeah, like, Cannon, like, he went out there and he called me an alcoholic. He said... You, you know, it, it made jokes about how I look like that were pretty mean, you know what I mean? And just like a, a lot of stuff like that. And it's like, I don't care because they're saying it to my face. You know what I mean? It's like, that's fine. You know what I mean? It's all the like persnickety, underhanded, blah, 
You know, it's just yeah. like that gets on my nerves. You know what I mean? Like it's just, and I really, I don't know. I don't care for how they talk to new players. I can take all this. I don't care. But how they talk to like a lot of people. I mean, there's just a lot of times like the old guy turns over his hand and the guy like goes, yeah, yes, man, he did this. Did you see that? And then another guy, yeah, 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 he did this, he did this. Yeah, it's nice as they make. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Just like when Jay Leno talks, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like, uh, you know, it's like, I I always like, I cannot tell you how many tables I've seen, like, everybody's talking, having a good time, and the online pro sits down and just murders it. You know what I mean? Just like every... You know, and then everybody, you know, it's like, God, dude, you're playing poker. It's fun. This is a fun thing. You know what I mean? We get to play poker for money. There are people in Syria right now that are throwing their children over the border. Uh, I guess they're not in Syria anymore. They're in Macedonia trying to throw their kid over the border into Greece. You know what I mean? Literally, like, honey, you go through that hole. I'll throw the yeah. kid over. And I hope I see you again this year, you know, yeah. and I, I, I might not. They might send me back. I might die, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, and you're going to be in this air conditioned room with people dealing the cards to you. You know, I, 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 I I'm sorry. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. All right. Because like I remember we would have to go like before online poker, we would have to hop in a car. We would drive two hours. We would show up at the game, and sometimes not enough people showed up at the game, and like the people would be like, I don't want to play forehand, and that was it. That was it. We had to go home. And it was like sometimes we'd show up, and they were like, hey, man, you look a little young. I don't, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. Get out of here. And then you know what I mean. You never have enough money. You, never, you, 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 like, you want to play like a one-two game, but the only game in town is like 5-10 or something. Right. And it's like you can play the five ten game or you can go back to playing five dollar, twenty dollar home games. It's always stressful. You know what I mean? You just always like you're always you're in the back of these like people like look at it with like real romantic tones and stuff like that. It's like it's not really cool to be in like a check cashing place in the ghetto. You know what I mean? Like playing poker. It's like there's a lot of people who have been wronged by those places. It's like, well, this place has been, you know, two times a a gunman has charged this place. Yeah. You know, if he sees a bunch of people off hours in here, uh, we'll see, you know, it's like, maybe he'll gamble. The security cameras are off because we're doing something, something here that's illegal. We'll see what happens. You know what I mean? You go from that to air condition dealers. Uh, you can buy food at the table at a lot of these places. You know what I mean? Uh, all the games you could want in the world. They'll have like, you know, they'll have the PGA Tour up in the corner. So you can watch that if you want. And when you're done, you can go to water slides. You can walk into Nassau, and you can see where a lot of the first Europeans landed. You know what I mean? You can do this stuff, and you're going to sit there and piss and moan, a lot of you. I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know what I mean? And it dry. I, I don't know. I, it, it it, 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 I felt but like, you're going, but you're going. Yeah, 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 I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. I like, you know, I keep to myself and I have a lot of good friends. So it's like, cool. Yeah. But it was like, it, it's weird because it's like, I, I don't know. I was at that battle rap event. And it was in the ghetto. Like it was in a straight up hood. You know what I mean? And I was like, I feel more comfortable here because there's nobody whining. You know what I mean? Like there's nobody. Whining. Everybody's just so there was a three hour delay. Not one person got freaked out. You know what I mean? They were just like, ah, you know, man, we're all together and we're eating and we're, we're about to watch some battles. And how sick is that? And I was like, God, I'd much rather be with these people a lot of the time. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I beat that. I dropped kick. Give us three quick tips for winning a package for them then as well. All right. Some quick tips. First off, you're going to, you're going to Google multi-table satellites, poker news, Alex Fitzgerald. And you're going to see my definitive treaties on the subject. But here's how you're going to do it. You're going to play the multi-table packages because pros are very bad at this because they don't understand ICM. And there's a lot of people that satellite in, right? Because you think about it, you're trying to satellite into the PCA. You're going to start with the $1, get to the $10. Then they're going to give you a $700 shot. Would you rather take that to a step five with a bunch of ringers? 
or would you get into a tournament where there's like 15 packages guaranteed? Well, most people are going to take the 15 packages guaranteed and see if they get lucky. So there's a lot of bad players. So at the beginning, it's like a dogfight, right? I'm not going to do three tips. I'm going to put... I'm going to put it together, all right? You're going to get a lot of tips. At the beginning, it's the dogfight stage. Do not knit it up at the beginning of the PCA tournaments because there's going to be a lot of guys who run 56-7 who are going to be broke by the time you start paying attention if you do it like that. Build some chips, and then you're going to get deep, and you're going to find one guy. uh, You're going to find a guy, like once you're nearing the bubble, that – he can raise with pretty much any two cards, but if you jam your chips in, he cannot call you with, like, kings, right? Just because you're threatening. He probably has a stack. Uh, he probably has a seat close to wrapped up, right? And he's probably not just going to call you that wide. You find that guy. You, uh, you find that guy. You make sure he kind of knows something about poker. You can do that by shark scoping or something like that. I got to do a lot of this stuff, by the way, on my phone now because I can't a lot of guys watch my Twitch stream when I'm at their table and it's like, I, I can't let them know what I know. Right. Which mm-hmm. sucks. I'd really like to like discuss like this statistic shows I can do this, but I just, I can't. That's why you guys got to go to card runners, promo code free month, all capital letters, two months access to 2000 plus videos for just $30. But anyway, continuing, uh, you want to jam on a guy that has to fold. And then you just kind of, you find a few of those guys and you rejam like your good hands. Like if you have like ace queen off in 27 X, don't three-bet call, because in this case, you know, like, it's really about stack retention. It doesn't matter how many chips you have when the final packages get dealt out. Uh, it, it, it just matters that you have some chips. And then you want to get up to take all the chips in the tournament, divide, divide it by how many packages there are, then try to get to 75% of that. And that's like a good goal to get to. If you get to like 75% of what the average stack will be when the packages are dealt out, in my experience, just the way that chip distributions happen, that's usually going to give you enough chips to wait and get a package. And then uh, when you get there, uh, you know, uh, really think through your actions because I've, I've made some pretty colossal ICM blunders that cost me packages. And, uh, you know, by the way, most people don't know anything. Uh, that, read my article. That will really that will go into that a lot more. And most people don't really know anything about this format. So don't, don't be playing these tournaments with your friend, like, commenting, because that, everybody's going to go, like, are you sure you should do that? And it's not really helpful. And, like, every time – the other thing is every time you move all in, people are like, oh, this was a bad play because you're so close to a package. And then they, like, bust four away from – the package, right? And they're like, how could I have avoided this? Well, they think the way they can avoid this is by raising, but then, you know, they keep getting jammed on. They think they can't call and then they fold. And then they're like, oh crap, now I'm not winning the package either. It's jamming. It's not right. re-raise calling. It's a lot of like jamming when the situation is right, slowly building up. At some point you'll have to like win one flip and then you can pretty much stop. Uh, you, you can pretty much stop playing. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. All right, all right. Good luck to you. Okay. And uh, next question is, we'll try and get another couple done this episode, uh, is from Ryan. Uh, Hi, guys. Can you talk more about fundamentals? Uh, specifically, from my point of view, I've been playing for over a year and looking at improving my fundamentals. What should I focus on? Starting hand ranges in various positions or bet sizing? What can I do to improve both? Thanks. Well, like, uh, your starting hands are, like, a great place to start. I think it's probably a better idea now to have more conservative starting ranges than before. Uh, just, be, just because uh, it used to be you could open, like, you know, ace-10 off from early position and, like, one guy would call you and you could wrestle the pot away from that person because he was going to break the flop 60% of the time. These days, one guy calls you in position, then the button calls you, then the big blind calls you because he's getting a big price. Even if it, one guy calls you, the big blind probably calls you, and then you're stuck in this three-way pot out of position with an easily dominated hand. Uh, this is not a preferable position, of course. So generally what we want to be doing is we want to be looking at how often we're opening from each position. Go to reports, go by position, and hold a manager too, and take a look at how you're doing from each position. Uh, this will really help you improve the fundamentals. From early position, you should not be playing more than 12% of the hands. Uh, 
Middle position, you have a little more leeway. You can go between like 15 to 20 percent. Uh, I would I would say since you're beginning, uh, skew towards 15 percent. Uh, a lot of people from the cutoff and button make a lot of money, even just playing like 20% of their hands. But from the button, you can play like 30%. Uh, you'll be fine. A lot of people play like 56 and make a decent profit. But I've noticed those guys are getting exploited a lot more these days, whereas the guys who just have like a range to open are doing really well. So like, yeah, like from the cutoff, maybe you play like 20, 25% of the hands. Maybe from the hijack, you play like 22 from the button, you play like 30. From the small blind, you should be raising quite a bit uh, just because if you make it 3x there, you're actually making it 2.5x, usually to win about 2.5x when there's an ante out there. So the guy needs to defend you with uh, defend versus you with 50% of his hands. And if he does not do that, you immediately make a profit. And then uh, your big blind, you want to be saving as much as possible. So when people 2x into you, just try not to fold because usually you're getting a good enough price that with any post-flop skill, you could recover parts of your big blind. And if you recover a tenth of a big blind, people are like, oh, that's not really worth the variance, but that's 10 big blinds per hundred. And then take a look at uh, how many big blinds uh, per hundred you're winning from each position. You're really likely to get an idea of where you're hemorrhaging money. Uh, from the butt in, you should be making about 20 big blinds. 2530 from early position to mid uh, early position you probably should be making like 6 to 9 uh from middle position like 10 to 15 also be sure to look at EV big blind per 100 to take a look at that from the small blind if you fold every single small blind you'll be negative 50 so you should be like negative 15 to 20 would be normal you can it, it it's difficult to get it lower for, than that negative 20 is like fine from the big blind uh What's normal is like negative 40, which is like you save your big blind 60% of the time, which sounds like a lot, but you can get that down to like negative 25, which means you, you know, you save an additional 15 big blinds per hundred from that position. And uh, the way you do that, like this is the hardest, but you got to work on donk betting, you got to work on check raising, you got to work on flatting. Uh, we do have programs for all that stuff if you want to write me at assassinoncoaching.gmail.com i can uh tell you about the various options and then uh yeah uh as far as like bet sizing uh bet sizing is definitely something that uh i i mean the big thing is to know how often each one of the bets needs to work uh out of position you always want to charge people to play you in position because position is only as important as how many streets you play in the uh in the, this uncomfortable area. So like when I'm out of position, my, my continuation bets tend to be two thirds the size of the pot. And a lot of people just look at that and they're befuddled and they fold in position. It's about 40 to 50% of the pot because I just don't need to go as much. I have the fact that the person checked into me to help me know that a lot of the times and the fact that he's playing out of position, he's just going to need to fold a number of his hands or be exploited. So I can go for like 40, 50%. Another thing is to realize like overbets don't need to work that much. If you overbet the size, if you go like 110% of the pot, or let's say you just go for the size of the pot, you bet the size of the pot, it looks like a massive bet. That only needs to work 50% of the time. So if the guys, you, what you need to remember is always the flip side is what the guy needs to defend with. So if the guy doesn't defend with 50% of his hands, when you bet the size of the pot, that is a good bluff to make. But what most people just focus on is they get called and they feel bad showing their pot size bad and everybody goes, nah, 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 at the table. See, they just keep making noises. And then, yeah, it, it, you it, you kind of have to, like, look beyond that. But, yeah, hope these tips help you, sir. Okay, and I've had a look through some of the questions we've got on the to-do list. And to be honest, I think we're going to end it there for today. Myself and Alex have done two podcasts in a row today. Although this one you're listening to will be released on the 10th of December. The next couple of ones are good. And I don't want... Alex has another uh, lesson with a student coming up um, soon. So I don't want to do this because I don't want to belittle these questions because they look good. And I think Alex will like to go into them in depth. Uh, they're quite fun as well. And one of them's appropriate for Christmas and stuff. So Sweet. Uh, we're going to leave these. We're going to tease you with these questions. But yeah. Next episode, there'll be 
I can count at least two there that that will be interesting, and Alex should have a lot to say on it. Hopefully, he will. Uh, I'm sure he will. He always does. <laughs> I was about to um, <laughs> Alex, how how can people get in touch with you then for lessons and private coaching and your webinars and all your good stuff as usual? Uh, be sure to write me at assassinalcoaching at gmail dot com. That's my uh, coaching email. You can write me. You know, you can tell me if you want, if you're interested in poker training, just write me there. It is me responding and just tell me, you know, we have a lot of different like budget. Uh, we, we have a lot of different items for any budget uh, for free. You can get if you sign up for America's card room uh, and just tell us, you know, you can do it through the link on uh, this site. And if you just tell us your sign in name and your email and uh, once we check that you deposited, we'll give you a free copy. If you flat too much, that's a check raise for dissecting the dog bet. Uh, or uh, why Posagno is right. You can read about all these descriptions at twitch.tv slash theassassinato. Uh, you can check out all this stuff we got going on there. There's a lot of products with deals on them and stuff like that. And you can just favorite that channel and get a notification of every time we're streaming. And uh, you can just watch me play Big Final Tables. And if you subscribe, you can watch me play a lot of Big Final Tables. And it used to cost hundreds of dollars to be able to do that. Or you'd have to pay a poker pro thousands to be able to sweat them. And now it's just five bucks a month. So, you know, take advantage of that. And then, uh, yeah, if you write me, you know, just say like, uh, my budget is around this. Uh, I, I, I'm playing these kind of tournaments. Uh, this is kind of what, uh, I struggle with. And, uh, actually you can also, if you do a report, uh, you can like, if you can take a screenshot, this is like extra credit. If you take a screenshot of like your position statistics, like I was just talking about earlier in this episode, I can look at that and a lot of times I can know exactly what's going to improve your game right away. And I can recommend the video to you or whatever. And yeah, there's free options if you want to buy some of the live videos. I'll get, you know, a lot of that, a lot of them I'll give them to you for like 20 bucks. There, there's like, you know, just tell me what you're interested in and I, I can help you out. If it's uh you know, and I got a lot of my taped classes, you know, uh, that are like 60 or $80 or 120 if I brought on somebody like Ape Styles to do them with me. And then we have personal lessons. Uh, if you just want to do a hand history review, it's $150. Uh, if you want to do, that's for up to two people. If you want to do three to five people, it's $200. But if five of you get in on it, like if you and your buddies have like a hand history discussion group and like you want to just bring in a pro one of these days, it's 40 bucks each. And then, you know, <clears throat> I'll lay, I'll lay it down. You know what I mean? And two ten is like the Rolls Royce of uh poker lessons that gets you a lot of the, that, that gets you a lot of the webinars for free. If I just see you have a specific league, that'll be held by the webinar. I'll send it to you. And uh, yeah, you know, you get access to a lot of my deals and stuff like that. And if you write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com, we can talk about that. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, follow me on Twitter at the assassinato and uh, follow my website, pokeredrush.com. That's kind of the real fun website. Check out all the trip reports, blogs, reviews, strategy articles for free and battle rap. And also on that site, if you guys would be so kind, sign up for the newsletter and get strategy articles every week and get them weeks before everybody else. You know, you get them delivered right to your email inbox and you just get to read them and get some advice uh, for how to play, how to, how to curve uh, through this crazy MTT world. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's about it. Oh, be sure to sign up for Cardburners. Promo code free month, all capital letters, two months access to 2000 plus videos for just $30. Sign up, support, appreciate y'all. Yeah. And uh, Alex's, sounds quite rough there after two and a half hours <laughs> talking and he's away to do a lesson as well with a student um, so I don't have to talk as much as Alex uh, which is a good thing but I, I still need some fizzy juice after this to get my throat uh, <laughs> lubricated uh, nice so keep your questions coming in for Alex uh, we will be recording more shows for this month there'll be a show every week in December and then we are back in the new year uh, for the same one show every week uh, email questions at oneouter.com which is the email get it in for Alex that's the best you can type as much as you want uh, as big a question as you want and if I edit it then that's how it goes um, and uh, tweet them at oneouter.com or post them on the Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash oneouter 
Until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.